0: Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9, reading through verse 13. Jesus says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you pray with me again and ask God's blessing on His word? Let's pray. You're the great and faithful God, and you have made promises that your word would not go out and return to you void without accomplishing all that you intend for it to accomplish. And so... Father, may we experience the power of that promise today as your word comes to us. Teach us to pray. And then make us a people who love to pray your kingdom's power into our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we're in Jesus' schoolhouse. If you're joining us, uh, visiting with us today, we have been working our way through Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. In the midst of this sermon, he takes an aside to teach his people how to pray. And so we're dissecting this prayer week by week. And we've said that really prayer, children, is simple to understand. It's talking to God first, and then what Jesus is teaching us is that it's asking God to, to do things second. And he's teaching us to pray by giving us six petitions. Six things to ask for. Divided up by two different pronouns. Your and our. The first three petitions begin, let your name be honored. Father, your glory first. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then in the second three, petitions is framed by the pronoun are provide for us our daily bread forgive our sins deliver us from evil first god in his glory and then we pray for our needs and it's interesting that now when we get to this petition where we begin to learn to pray for our needs that when it comes to turning to our needs that jesus begins with our most basic and pervasive need give us today our daily bread it's our most basic need when you don't eat your body shuts down it's our most basic need there's a direct correlation between children's academic performance and nutrition certain nutritional deficiencies can lead to blindness or infertility, inadequate brain development when you don't eat it's our most basic need your body shuts down But it's also our most pervasive need, isn't it? Every one of us feels this, and we feel it frequently throughout the day. If you skip a meal, you get weak. You don't eat breakfast, you should eat breakfast. You don't eat lunch, you feel weak. Some of us eat six, seven, eight times throughout the day. If you're a teenager, you probably eat at least 12 to 15 times throughout the day. It is our most pervasive need. I mean, children, how many times have you said to your mom, Mom, I'm hungry. Throughout the day, it always comes back. And it is a constant reminder to us that we ultimately just can't take care of ourselves. Hunger is pervasive because it reminds us that we are dependent creatures. Several times throughout the day, we're reminded We need something outside of us Just so that we can function And so Jesus is teaching us When it begins our time to pray for our needs The first need that he teaches us to pray for Is our most basic and pervasive need Give us today our daily bread But when we pray this way We admit that we're fundamentally needy creatures now let's be honest. We don't like to be needy. Because to be needy implies weakness. And we're allergic to weakness. I sat down this week and I decided that in light of this prayer that I was, gonna, I was just going to start jotting down all of the little things that God has provided for me um, in just this week's period of time. The daily bread that I was enjoying for my hand. And I, and I was surprised that as I I got through my list, as I was working through it and just jotting little things down, I was surprised by how my heart was responding. It was difficult exercise. And it was difficult because I realized that I was acknowledging in that moment that, that my most basic needs, the things that I need just to function on the most basic level were not met by my hands. I found that in jotting down that that list, that I was acknowledging both my weakness and my dependence, and I didn't trust God. I didn't find myself praising Him, though I did eventually. My first response is that this revelation of weakness was difficult for me. I can't take care of myself. And I'm allergic to that. And so again, we find this is a dangerous prayer. I've said one of my goals for us as we study the Lord's Prayer is that we would begin to tremble as we put it on our lips every Sunday, no longer just going through the motions because each of these is a difficult, dangerous thing to put on our lips. And as we pray, give us today our daily bread. We are, in effect, turning away from our self-dependence. We're turning away and saying, I won't take care. I can't take care of myself anymore. There's a fundamental weakness to my life. And I am entrusting myself to you, my Father, to take care of my needs. And I think that leads us to my first point. It's okay to pray for your needs. I mean, but there is a priority here. I mean, it's one of the things that Jesus is teaching us. Don't, don't just pray For God's kingdom to come and ignore your needs. Pray for your needs. But there is a priority. And Jesus is forming us as he teaches us. Prayer is formative as well as expressive. It shapes our priorities when we learn to pray this way. Jesus tells us, ask the Father and he gives. But he tells us what to ask the Father to pray for. There are priorities here. God first. Our needs second. And not just because God's more important. Though he is, don't get me, but the hallowing of his name, the coming of his kingdom are of utmost importance. And isn't this the heart of sin to reverse this order, making my needs the priority? And so Jesus is kind of reordering our lives. This is what you've done. You've put your needs central. That's what sin is if you're visiting today. And you're wondering, you're like, is sin just this breaking at the core? Sin is reversing the order of creation. God is meant to be at the center of all things. Sin puts me at the center and God at the periphery or off behind me at best. God must be honored, Jesus says. His name must be hallowed. We must fear him. We must revere him. But in teaching us to pray our daily bread, Jesus is not happy that we would just go to God for the big things. He's reminding us that God is glorified as he engages with us and our most basic needs. Because it proves yet again that he is generous and gracious and kind. Jesus cares about our little needs. Not just our big needs, not just like taking care of our children or giving us a career or setting our lives and giving us health or a spouse. He cares about our daily needs, the most basic needs God provides for. And, in, and also in ordering our lives this way, pray first for God's kingdom and his name to be hallowed and then pray for your needs. He's also orienting our heart so that food doesn't become an ultimate thing in our lives. As Jesus reminds us, man can't live by bread alone. But he doesn't say food's just not that important. God cares about your small daily needs because God is compassionate. When Jesus feeds 5,000 with just a few morsels of food, it's miraculous But the miracle starts with the most basic need. The people have been there all day long and they're hungry. And instead of sending them home to care for themselves, don't miss the tender moment. The compassionate moment of Jesus. Their stomachs are rumbling, their bodies are growing weak. And Jesus says, I want to take care of that for you. It reminds us that we're embodied souls, doesn't it? This, this prayer for our daily bread reminds us that we're embodied souls and our, and our bodies need to be tended to by Jesus. And so at first glance, it seems that Jesus is a little redundant here, isn't it? Give us today our daily bread. He could have left out either of those. Give us today our bread or give us our daily bread. And it seems that he's redundant. Give us today. Our daily bread. And it's a little difficult to translate the second word here, our daily bread, because it only shows up in the entire Greek language here in Jesus' prayer. And again in Luke chapter 11. And so translators have really wrestled with how to translate this. We've We've typically translated it daily because it can either mean a plea... ...for a timely bread... ...or plea for an amount of bread. In other words, I'm praying for today's bread. Bring it at just the right time... ...in a timely way. Or we're praying, on the other hand... ...for an amount of bread. Bring us enough for today... ...just to sustain me for today. And either way... ...Jesus is teaching us to pray... ...Father, take care of me today either with giving it at just the right time or giving me just the amount that I need. In either sense, he's teaching us to pray, I'm entrusting myself into your hands. I am a dependent creature. And over the next just few hours, unless you care for me, I will not survive. And so we simply ask. Secondly, we simply ask. And God gives Give us today our daily bread. We're not asking him to sell it to us. We're not working out in an economy where I'm faithful to you and you reward me with my food. This isn't like Pavlov's system where with uh, the right response you get the next treat. No, he's a father who's gracious. Have you ever stopped to think about what it takes to make your, uh, your breakfast Available to you? The cereal and milk that you ate, just, a, just basic Cheerios and a little milk. The ground had to be just right for the grain to grow. The rain had to come at just the right time and in the precise amount. Too much rain, too little rain, too late rain, too early rain, no Cheerios for you. How many times have you driven past a cornfield you don't even think about it? The soybeans growing in the field, you don't even think about it. But the Father was carefully tending that field at that moment. Nutrients were being brought into the plants, they were growing, and you didn't even notice. While you slept, abundance of food so that He could give to those who ask. He's gracious, He's compassionate, He's tender. And then think about how generous He is when He gives. Have you ever thought about how amazing food tastes? Right? If he just gave us mush, if that's all that it was, that was all you need to sustain your life, is just mush. Right? That would be enough. But he doesn't hate, it's beautiful, it tastes wonderful. This is how generous and gracious he is, not only to give us sustenance, but to give us sustenance in such delightful ways. He gives good gifts. And this is how generous he is when he gives. God gives even to his enemies. Jesus makes the point. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Thomas Watson, this week, I was reading. Watson was a Puritan. Watson says this he says, Other men spread nets for their enemies, God spreads a table. God puts bread in mouths that are open against him. He gives good gifts. And you notice that just deep contrast if you're not a Christian. I mean, for for what you've done, the good gift to God is put, he's still put food in your mouth. And you've not returned thanks and joyful obedience. You rail against the one who provides for you, even your daily bread. And you see, and you see in that, the problem is not with God even as you open your mouth with objections against him, rail against him with even maybe insults, accusations, he continues to provide nourishing food, sweet food in the mouths that are open against him. He gives. He gives good gifts. He meets our daily needs. But as is often the case. Not only is that true, but Jesus is teaching us to pray, and as he's teaching us to pray, we've seen this a number of times, it was true of our ancient fathers in the faith that they used the Lord's Prayer to teach all the truths of the Christian life as the first thing that, that new converts to Christianity learned was the Lord's Prayer in the first centuries of the church's existence. And because each of these is, is like the tip of an iceberg. Underneath it is a whole well of life, instruction, and living. And so as we pray this way to go under the waterline, when we pray this way for things that we're praying for, to pray this way means that we are entrusting ourselves into the, <coughs> into the hands of the Father. As we've said, we've kind of belabored this point, but He loves to give good gifts to His children. But to pray this way means that we need both gospel access and gospel logic if we're going to entrust our whole lives into the care of the Father who gives good gifts and takes care of His children. I need gospel access and gospel logic. Gospel access, if I'm going to be confident that my Father will provide for my daily bread, because that's what we're praying. Our Father in heaven, give us our daily bread today. And if I'm going to pray that way, I must come to him through Jesus Christ. If I'm going to access him as a father, apart from the relationship with Jesus, I I cannot approach God as my father. He's my judge. He's the Holy One. He's distant. He's far off. I'm under his wrath. He'll come again, and then I'll have to answer for everything I've done. But if I come to him through Jesus Christ the relationship goes from judge to father, and he now delights in me. And that brings in gospel logic. If I am in Christ, God has become my father. He loves me, and it is pleasantly disposed to me, and will provide. And so I can then argue, here's the gospel logic, from the greatest to the least. He's he's provided for me. How do I know that he'll provide for me? He hung his son on the cross for my sins. He's provided for my greatest need. He sent his son to heaven to prepare a place for me in his home. He's given me his spirit so that I might learn to cry, Abba, Father. He's secured me once and for all in his family. He's brought me into the church and he's now had other brothers and sisters to get me through this journey. And I can argue, how do I know that he's provided for me? Look at the cross and what he's done. Will he not also give me daily bread? Gospel logic. Secondly, I can entrust my hand, I'm praying. God, I'm going to trust myself to your care. The second thing, this is the start of the path, the humble thankfulness. Starts us walking away from bitterness to learn to pray this way. I mean, because bitterness is when I don't get what I think I deserve. I deserve it. You didn't do it. I've earned this right. You didn't give it to me. I've been faithful. You've not done. And so bitterness begins to breed in my heart. But when I start with humility, the only thing that I deserve is the full wrath of God. It's the only thing that I have earned in my life. And yet he has provided for me daily bread. From the moment I was an infant, out of my mother's womb to today, I've been sustained by the fact that almost hourly he's given me bread to eat, food to be nourished by, and I don't deserve it. Then I start with humility, and out of humility comes thankfulness. Instead of grumbling or being defeated, because I'm not getting what I think I deserve, thankfulness... ...all of a sudden becomes within reach... ...because whatever I have is purely a gift. He sustained me... ...because He's kind. Third thing I'm praying for... ...to pray this way... ...is to put responsibility... ...into the Father's hands. And Jesus does this. He roots out the cause of worry and anxiety as this. We tried to... ...with two problems, He says... ...we'll get into this in coming weeks... Two problems with worry and anxiety. You're trying to take care of yourself. And you're borrowing tomorrow's trouble. And so to pray this way is is actually a prayer of repentance. I'm repenting of my anxiety because I'm entrusting myself into your hands to care for me. And I know that if I pray for today's bread, you'll provide for today's bread. Which means tomorrow I'm going to make the same prayer And I don't have to borrow tomorrow's trouble because tomorrow you'll provide for me just as you provided for me today and yesterday and the day before and on the cross with the death of your son. Deliver, O Lord, from the fear. This is what one author says. Deliver us, O Lord. This is what we're praying. Deliver us, O Lord, from the fear of not having enough to eat. Give us bread for today and with it Give us confidence that you'll give us bread for tomorrow too. So when I start to worry, Jesus is saying, look, pray. It's good to pray. And you can pray this way. Father, just get me through today. I'm entrusting myself into your hands. Just get me through today. Whatever I need, you know my needs. Whatever I need, I'm praying. Provide my daily bread. I need grace to get through this next moment. Give it to me. I need need food. I, don't, I just lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Give me enough for today. The situation's really tough. I don't know how to wrestle with this person anymore. I don't know how to love my spouse. My children really baffle me. So I'm praying, take care of me today. Because if I can get through today, I can put my head on the pillow and sleep. And then I can wake up tomorrow and I can begin to pray, just give me through today. Don't be anxious, Jesus says. About tomorrow, tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. That's true. But also, when it meets this prayer, it all becomes a place of rest. Fourthly, lastly, we're praying for just enough so that our hearts may be full. It's funny how many commentators said this. We're asking for daily bread, not dessert. Now, many of you know that I like to eat dessert first. So maybe I am praying for dessert. But The point is we're we're praying for the essentials. That's what Jesus is teaching us. Praying for the essentials, not the extras. We so often lose this in our culture. We're such a culture of consumerists. Buy the next thing so that it will satisfy you. But, but when we do it, we're not just looking for utility, we're looking for satisfaction. And this prayer, again, is a prayer of repentance and faith. Look, I'm repenting of looking for sustenance and joy in the things that will not satisfy me. I can't find joy from the things I acquire. There's no, there's no satisfaction in dessert. Trust me, I would know. And so this is a faith, this is Father giving me just enough because you're my father. You've loved me enough to sacrifice your son for my sins. And so I know that whatever you give, you'll give to me as a father. If it's just a little, that's all that I need. I trust your wisdom. But just give me enough. Give me enough just to get me through today. I was reminded this week as I was studying the prayer for. The writer of Proverbs from Proverbs chapter 30 Where he prays this magnificent prayer Give me neither poverty nor riches right? And his reasoning is don't give me poverty Feed me with the food that's needful for me Because if you give me, if you give me poverty Then I'll, I'll grumble against you It goes on Give me poverty nor riches, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane your name. But don't give me the extras because if you give me too much extra, I'll just forget you. I won't need you anymore. So just in your fatherly wisdom, just give me enough to get through today. Because if you do that, then I will gain. The bread of life. Because I'll keep having to come back to Jesus over and over and over again to provide for me my daily bread in such a way that he will become my greatest treasure. So don't give me too much lest I forget about you. Or so little that I have to steal and provide for myself. Give me my daily bread so that you yourself will be my satisfaction you're entering into you're really entering into a relationship where say i'm going to ask you're going to provide and if i do that enough then i'll just see how marvelous and generous and loving you are and if my belly's full i'm going to miss that so just give me enough just give me whatever in your fatherly wisdom just give me enough let me close with this. The most, uh, the, the most retweeted tweet of all time is this. If you're not familiar with Twitter, you can just ignore the next couple minutes. The most retweeted tweet of all times is this. Yo, Wendy's, how about many retweets for a free year of chicken nuggets? The Wendy's replied 18 million. You get enough people. To retweet this, to send it back out as their own, we'll give you 18 million retweets, and we'll give you a free year of chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. Like, this is not a great reward. You get 18 people to leverage us, and we'll give you chicken nuggets. Not so with our Father. Who is in heaven. He hallows his name by proving his generosity. Just ask and he'll give. Let's pray. Father, in heaven, provide for us in ways that we would praise you and trust you. And I pray for our anxiety, our worry, all of us have it, all of us struggle with it. Give us eyes to see how intimately you have cared for us and continue to care for us. And Father, for those mouths that are, are still open and receiving food but not yet praising the name of Jesus... Would you grab hold of them today that they would entrust themselves to the greatest provision you have ever given, your Son on a cross for our sins? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.